Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. I love it. I love it very, very much. Today, this weekend, we have had just a tremendous honor and privilege of having a great man of God in to, to invest in our teams um, and invest in our church. Because here's the thing. Uh, the thing that we do know is that Vibrant Church is growing. Amen. Amen. We're very thankful for that. Amen. We're very thankful for that. Vibrant Church is growing, but we don't just want to be a growing church. We want to be a healthy church. More than a growing church, we want to be a healthy church. And so that being said, uh, we, we, we really counted our joy to be very intentional about investing in our teams and our church is that over time, we stay healthy as we grow. Our people at this church, we continue to stay healthy. And so this man doesn't need a long introduction, uh, so I'm not going to give him one. He's a, just a tremendous man. His name is Pastor Brandon Stewart from uh, Tacoma, Washington. Just a wonderful man. He leads a, him and his wife lead an organization, a worldwide leadership organization called Leading Second, where they impact churches and organizations all across the world. And the thing that I love about him is that he has a heart for the local church, and he's very intentional about speaking wisdom into the situation that you're in today. And so what this means is that he's not a traveling evangelist that is just repeating the same message regurgitated over and over. He's speaking a word directly into our church, into our leadership teams. And I value that because there's so much wisdom and understanding as he's helped build a tremendous church and he's impacted thousands of others. And so if you don't mind, would you stand up on your feet? Let's welcome the man of God this, this morning, Pastor Brandon Stewart from Tacoma, Washington. Thanks, sir. Hey, good morning, Vibrant Church. How are you? Anyone glad to be in the house? Come on, Sunday morning, no better place. Do me a favor, if you would, would you stay standing for just a minute? I'm going to make you stand for a couple minutes just to honor, honor this moment. I'm so thankful for this house. I have been watching this house from day one. I'm a day one stalker of this house. Y'all didn't even know. I, I met your pastors years ago. Um, I don't remember much about that day. I remember we were at a restaurant in Louisiana and there was fried alligator on the menu and I was horrified. Uh, that's just, that, that's what I remember. But I remember falling in love with your pastors and it's been such a privilege uh, the last three years to see the dream that has been in their heart uh, come to life and live and um, what an incredible house, an integrous house, a house full of God's word and the spirit of God. I'm so thankful that you found your way here, whatever way you found your way to this house. Aren't you thankful God saw fit to plant your life at Vibrant Church for this season and this time? Plant your family here. This is, this is good soil. And so Pastor Michael, Carmen, she's not in the room at the morning, but, or at the moment, but thank you for leading us well. Thank you for leading during a pandemic. Not easy. First year of having a church, a new church. Um, thank you for being faithful with the Word of God. Thank you for being faithful with, with your time and your family. Y'all, they didn't have to do this. Do you know that? Um, they didn't have to do this. 
um, there's a lot easier things to do in the kingdom than plant a church. Um, and I will forever um, line up behind church planters that, that just have enough vision to believe that God could do something new and God could do something fresh. So um, thank you. Can we, you help me honor your pastors today and just thank God for them, for their leadership and all that, all that they are. Amen. Okay, one more, one more question. Um, are you thankful for the word of God today? Are you thankful for these pages? Um, a lifetime in church and I haven't worked out exactly how it works, but when we open up the word and when we read from its pages and unpack its truth, I don't know how it works, but things change and, and stories are completely rewritten. Marriages are healed. Um, people come back to Christ. I mean, I may not know your name this morning and I may not know your story. I may not know what you're facing, but I know Jesus and I know his story. And I came to tell you first and foremost today that his story is enough for your story. That within these pages, there's life for you. There's hope for you. There's truth. Um, the world is working overtime right now to paint this in a bad light. The world is, is, is working overtime right now to sell us a lie. But I think if you're here this morning and you're gathered here in the church, I think you know like I do that there's freedom in these pages and there's hope and there's truth. And, and so today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack um, just a little part of the Word of God, something I believe God has for us today. It's my honor to get to speak into um, this house, in this hour, I know that I haven't earned the right to, um, you know, to, to lead you today and to follow you. But if you'll give me permission, I want to take us somewhere um, in the word that will, that will help you and that will challenge you today. Um, so this always works. I just know sometimes like my heart isn't ready to receive. So what if we did, a, did something for a minute as a church? What if we all um, anyone who's comfortable, would you join me? Would you maybe close your eyes? Would you lift your hands? Would you go to that place that only you and the Lord have? And right now, wherever you're standing, uh, would you just begin to do some business with God? Would you just give him some space today? Would you just give him some room? Jesus, 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 King Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, the pearl of great price the treasure in the field, the lily of the valley, the lion of Judah, King Jesus. We, we probably need you now today more than we've ever needed you in this city, in our lives. So would you come today? Would you come in power? Would you come in strength? Would you come by your word? Would you anoint, Father, your word today to set the captive free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the prisoner, Lord Jesus? Would you come? Would you... Your word, your word is a lamp to our feet. Your word is a light to our path. Truth amidst the chaos and confusion. Your word. And so we give you space to move. We ask your kingdom come today. And we ask your will be done. I pray that I would get out of the way for a few minutes. And I pray that you would have your way by your word, by your spirit today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and Vibrant Church said a big amen. Amen. One more time, let's thank God for all that he has done, all that he's going to do this morning. Amen. Okay, and you can take your seat. Say hi to someone you didn't come to church with today. Let them know you're glad to see them.
If you see someone else you'd rather sit by, go ahead and move. Now's your chance. Well, hey, it's my honor to be here. As I've said, I've, I've been a part of the same church my whole life. 40 of my 41 years on planet Earth have found me in one church under one pastor in the Seattle area. Uh, I've been married for 18 years next month to the love of my life. Her name is Lindsay. Um, we have two girls. Uh, one is 11 years old. Uh, I had no idea 11 was a teenager. Like, no one warned me for what this last year has been in our house. I know you all are in 21 days of prayer. If you need someone to pray and fast for, would you just sign me up right now? Like, help me rebuke the spirit of, like, moodiness in our, in our house. Uh, it's real. It's real. It's funny when you realize you're raising yourself, you know, that's of a girl version of me, you know. Praise God. And then because we don't know how to plan... Uh, we, we had a COVID surprise, uh, at 40 years old. I'll never forget. I flew home from a ministry trip. I was just starting to travel after COVID shutdowns, like second trip out and landed home to my wife saying, I have, I, I got a gift for you. She had a, like this wrapped box on the, on the table. And for some reason I didn't pay any attention to it. I just, you know, I walked the dog. I, you know, Changed my clothes, unpacked my suitcase. She's sitting there. I didn't know she's sitting on the couch, sick as a dog, you know. And she's just like, "Are you gonna open your gift?" And on the inside was a positive pregnancy test. I will, I will never forget just the sheer "what in the world happened" feeling. You know, we went from traveling 250 days a year to to being home for seven months, like a you know, like an e-break got pulled on our lives, and then that, and then because apparently we don't do anything that's not. Um, not dramatic. We, uh, our daughter was born early at 29 weeks gestation. Uh, so she was born, I think we have a picture that's going to go up of her. That is her on her birthday. She was born about three pounds, which I learned was a big baby uh, for the NICU. Uh, we were there for 51 days. And I think the next slide, uh, 51 days later, we got to bring her home. She was, she was born with a list of complications. She had a hole in her lungs. She had a brain bleed, an E. coli infection, you know, just, just down the list. But God was so good. God was so kind. He met us uh, in that season and in that moment, and we got to bring her home. And that is her uh, today or as of a couple of uh, a couple weeks ago. And she is full of life, full of joy. And so here we go. I'm going to be 58 years old at high school graduation. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, but God has, been, God has been really, really good to our family. I feel like there's some old parents in the room. I feel like y'all are like with me. Yeah, yeah, there you are. I felt this like cheer squad over here. It's amazing. Okay. We'll all be in the retirement home together. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, turning your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Um, I'm so excited about what we're going to talk about today. How many of you know, we live in a culture that values the now, that values the instant. We are as a society in the process of remaking everything so we can have it now, have it quicker. I mean, the crown jewel of millennials and Gen Z is what? to go viral on the internet. Like like that like is there is there anything you know 
more desirable. In other words, you know, I don't want to take my time to get there. I want it now. I want to get there now. I mean, think about it. If you don't want to cook, you can open up your phone and go to Uber Eats, and in 20 minutes, you can have hot Thai food delivered to your front door that you did not cook. You don't even have to know how to cook it. And it gets delivered right to your door because of the work of the Lord that he is doing at Uber Eats. Isn't 2022 a great time? If you don't want to grocery shop, you don't even have to do that anymore. Just head on Instacart, and someone else in 2022 will do your grocery shopping for you. Praise God. I haven't set foot in a grocery store in months. Thank God for that. If I don't want to wait in line for coffee, I don't know about you. I spend my entire life, the, the energy of my life is summed up in building God's house and not standing in line. Like I, I will do anything to avoid traffic. I will do anything to avoid standing in line. So, you know, Starbucks. I'm not, I'm not getting in that drive-thru line. You know I'm mobile ordering, right? Like, you know that coffee's waiting for me when I get there because we're in the process of having everything now. If I want any item under the sun, Amazon will get it to me in two, hour, or two days, sometimes two hours if I need it. If I want a relationship, hello. My marriage, like, predates social media, mind you. I'm old now, y'all. And so, by the way, I, I, I say y'all. I'm from Seattle. Um, and everyone always asks me about that. Like, like that doesn't sound right, you know. And I just have to say there is no word in the English language for you all. So your choices are pretty limited. You either got you guys or you guys uh, or I just decided y'all sounded good and it sounded friendly. And so consider me like partially Southern, I guess, uh, from, from Seattle. But if I want a relationship, I don't even have to do the hard work to like go somewhere and meet somebody. I don't got to learn how to break the ice. I mean, I maybe, maybe in church y'all don't believe this, you know, but I mean, I had to look up. There, there, there's a hundred relationship apps anymore. I had to look them up. Tinder. Coffee Meets Bagel. These are real app names. I was, I was shocked. Friends with Benefits. Hello. How about we? How about we what? I don't know. How about we talk probably. Um, Bumble. Happen. Hinge. Match. OkCupid. Okay down. All for the process of having it now. They say millennials will spend up to 40% more for an item if they can have it quicker because we want it now. But I want to share with you something I've learned about the kingdom of God. Something that I've had to learn to see in our instant now culture. And my prayer today, I feel like I'm here on assignment, maybe even for one person today. But I feel like I'm here on assignment to help you see what you might not be seeing about the kingdom of God. I, I want to help you have eyes to see how God is working in your life. But you might be tempted to miss it because you don't like the packaging that it's coming in. That God could have something sitting right in your life that he wants to use, but you might be tempted to overlook it. 
If you're looking for a title today, I want to title this message, The Significance of Small. The Significance of Small. Matthew 13, verse 31, Jesus is teaching. Jesus teaches in parables often. It says, actually, just a few verses later, it says that he taught in parables to reveal to us things that were hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus taught in parables to pull back some layers and let us see what we can't see. So Matthew 13 and 31, it says this. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Let's stop there. I want to remind you the kingdom of God is Jesus' primary message. He came to announce and declare a new kingdom. How many of you know we are not Americans first? We are not skin color first. We are not gender first people. When you have been saved, when you have declared Christ over your life, your first and highest identity is now of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. We might say there's no longer right or left or or red or blue. Come on, we are kingdom people. Amen? We, we are our highest prayer. We're taught to pray, your kingdom come. Like, I wonder right now in our highly politicized day, in our potent culture that's going to shout at you a hundred ways you could see life, I wonder if you're willing to elevate your eyesight to have eyes for the kingdom, to see things through the kingdom lens, to adopt the kingdom way into your life. So whenever Jesus says, and he says it a hundred times, the kingdom of heaven is like, like we should lean in at that moment. Because we are kingdom people. Amen? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come at and perch in its branches. This parable is speaking to the idea that God's work may appear unimpressive at first. That God's work starts small. The kingdom starts small, but appearances can be deceiving. That what begins small has the potential to become something significant. I believe, though, we just need to have eyes to see it. I wonder if you can see through kingdom lens the significance of what might seem small in your life. The significance of small. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Lindsay and I had the opportunity in the summer of 2019, we had the opportunity to go to Israel for a couple weeks. It was an incredible opportunity. If you get a chance to go, go. It's absolutely awesome to frame in your faith and to get perspective um, for the, you know, our, our faith and the, the origin of it. And one day we were up in the Galilee 
region, which would be Israel's version of rural area by the Sea of Galilee. I was so excited because on this day, on our itinerary, we were stopping at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is a biblically significant site. Capernaum was considered Jesus' kind of ministry headquarters. Of course, we know he was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. But Capernaum was where Jesus sort of anchored his ministry. It was called Jesus' town. Y'all, it, it's, it's, it's a significant place in Scripture. Like 75% of Jesus' recorded miracles happened in Capernaum. I want to say at least five of the disciples were called right from the seashore in Capernaum. I got to stand there. And so just an, an incredible sight. So foundational. Some of my favorite stories, in fact, come from Capernaum. Capernaum is the site. You know the story where uh, the, the four men tried to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus and there was no room, so they lowered him through the roof? That's Capernaum. Uh, the, the centurion who said, you don't even have to enter my house. Just speak the word. You know, I know my servant will be healed. That's Capernaum. Peter uh, lived in Capernaum. So, so in, in, incredibly significant site. was really excited. We arrived. We walked through the first century gates of kind of old Capernaum. And I was overwhelmed, but not in the way I expected to be. I was overwhelmed at how small it was. It was tiny. Like our church campus, my, my home church, our church campus, the parking lot is larger than Capernaum. Like you're talking a couple acres. It, it, you, you know, one end of the town, the other was just, you know, seemed like a few steps. Some homes, a little tiny synagogue, um, a seashore, a garden, and that's it. And I just remember standing there going, wow, this is it. You know, this is it. Until our tour guide started to share the significance of Capernaum. He said, you might notice it's small. He said, but the whole point of Capernaum wasn't about that it was big. While Capernaum was small, it was highly strategic. You see, Capernaum was situated on a trade route. In, I could pull up a map for you and geek out if we had a chance, but there were two trade routes that connected the entirety of the Middle East in Jesus' day. Two trade routes, one of which went right through Capernaum. And so those traveling from the northern kingdoms down to Egypt or vice versa had to go through Capernaum. And because it's rule, guess what? They had to spend the night. So travelers would often have to lodge there, have to spend time there, have to refresh there. And so while Jesus' ministry had the appearance of something small, here's what I want you to get. It was perfectly positioned to be effective. While it was small, it was highly strategic. This is why you hear in Scripture, news of Jesus spread far and wide. Why was that? Because people would come, they would have an encounter with Jesus, and they would go. The significance of small. See, Jesus never spent a night in Jerusalem. He always stayed outside the city. So he visited big, 
but he lived in small. Isn't that our lives? I think sometimes in our quest for wanting success and wanting the big and wanting the now, we, we feel like someday I'm going to arrive. Someday I'm going to get there. Someday I'm not going to have to pay attention to this little stuff I keep tripping over. And I just want to remind you that most of life, you might visit big, but you'll often live in small. But in the kingdom, there is something significant about that which begins small. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I just wonder if you have eyes to see what God has placed right in front of you. I know it's back to school time, and uh, my heart this time of year goes out to uh, educators and those who work in the schools. My mom just retired from 30 years of working in public school. So first of all, thank you to every educator, every school administrator who is serving and, and a part of our school system. We salute you today. We honor you today. Thank you for being a godly example to the city, to students. We desperately need you at your post. But I often think about it. Like for a year or for nine months, you have 20, 30 students. And after that moment, they'll leave. They'll go on, and you may or probably won't track with them, you know, where they go after that. I just wonder, though, if you have eyes to see how significant that small classroom might be, because you never know who's sitting in there. You never know who's in there and who might go, and because of your fingerprints, or maybe the fingerprints of the kingdom that you leave on their life, you never know who might go on to live for God, who might go on to serve him the rest of their lives all because of your faithfulness over something that you think might feel small. I got my start in youth ministry. Um, I graduated our Bible school and um, was sort of on loan from my pastor uh, at a church in Minnesota for a couple of years. It's actually where I met Ryan Craigla. I've known Ryan uh, my whole, well, I guess over half my life, not my whole life, over half my life. I was Ryan's youth pastor. I met him when he was uh, 16 years old. He was fortunate or unfortunate, however you want to look at it, enough to have me as a 20-year-old youth pastor in his life. By the way, I had no business being a youth pastor at 20, y'all. Like, like, no business whatsoever. Like, two years older than the actual kids in, in our youth ministry, and I didn't know what the heck we were doing. Like, honestly, and this is pre-social media, right? This is, like, you had no idea what other Remember those days? Like, you had no idea what anybody else was doing. We couldn't compare. I didn't know if we had a cool youth ministry or a stupid youth ministry. Like, I, I, had, no, I had no radar. All we could do was just be faithful. Just be faithful over what God had given us. And so the only thing I knew to do in that season, I, I formed a youth leadership team. Ryan was a part of that. And I had these youth leaders, and because we, I feel like I'm painting it like we were in the dark ages or something, you know, but like, we did have like electricity, I promise. You know, whenever my daughter wants to talk about like the olden days, she always goes like, yeah, like back in the 80s. And I'm like, don't do that to me. Don't, 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 what you're referring to is like the 30s, but in her, anyways, it's just painful. But, um. You know, all, all I need to do, I formed this youth leadership team, and I, I just poured my life into them. It might have been imperfect, might have been klutzy, but like, I just, we just did life together. Like, I drove these guys to church, and we 
you know, we did ministry together. We held events together. And then after my time there was done, I left. And honestly, I disconnected from, from many of them. Well, in the summer of 2020, I, I got a, a text from one of the, one of the youth leaders uh, who had been in my youth ministry. I hadn't talked to her in, you know, 15 years or something. And she messaged me and she said, hey, I just wonder if you'd pray for us. She goes, I'm married now. And my husband and I just uh, accepted the job as lead pastors of a church in North Carolina. And I was like, that's amazing. That is amazing. Like a kid in my youth ministry is going to be like pastoring a church. Like that's cool. I was excited about that. And so then I got curious. You know, we're all like locked locked at home, you know, like making bread and questioning our lives and stuff, you know. And so I... Um, I, did, I just got on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. I was like, okay, where did everybody else end up? What's everybody else doing? And I, I started just remembering names from our team and looking them up and, yeah, this one there and this one there. And you know what hit me after about an hour of stalking, you know, online? You know what hit me? Every single one of our youth leaders was still in ministry today. That defies, like, all statistics, by the way. That defies all like one leads women's ministry at a large multi-site, one of the largest in our nation churches. One is a worship leader in Florida. They were doing a staff training one day, and all of a sudden they popped one of my videos up. He had, we hadn't talked in a decade, and he's like, oh, my God, that's my old youth pastor. You know, one of them, um, you know, once Ryan serves on our leading second team for our ministry is here. Like I just started looking around, and you know what I was thankful for? I was thankful that I didn't overlook what seemed so small back in those days. It was just a few teenagers in my life. All we had to do was do life and do ministry together, but you never know the seeds of what God is doing. What begins small can become significant in the kingdom because the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Is it okay? Can we just tell stories today? I, you know what I wanted to do? I, I just wanted to tell scripture and tell stories today. Just build your faith. Because I promise you, if you have eyes to see it, there is something small sitting in your life today God wants to use. I promise you. At our church, we have the honor of hosting a leadership conference. We do it every year. We just did it a couple weeks ago. Years ago, um, I was on the leadership team hosting the conference, pastors from all over the nation come. And um, one day I was just walking down the hallway on my way to dinner break. Honestly, would have kind of preferred to not talk to anybody. I was just tired. You know, it's like the second day of conference and, you know, just kind of like you barely have a voice, you know, sort of thing. You're just kind of at that fatigue zone. And But I caught a pastor in the hallway. We were talking for a minute, made a connection attempted to show him some kindness, and he said, uh, do you want to go out to dinner? I'll be honest, I didn't want to. Um, I wanted to, like, go nap, you know, for an hour, but I just thought, you know what, sure, uh, let's do it. So I went out to dinner with him, and it was great. Honestly, it was not non-eventful. It was, it was a great connection with a great couple. We exchanged cell phone numbers. We left, and I didn't talk to him for years. Like, that was it. No social media follows. I mean, just... A dinner and nothing. Well, years later, fast forward a few years, uh, my wife and I are in a season where we were launching what is now our ministry called Leading Second. 
we were in the throes of fundraising, like taking a step of faith. We had to raise like $100,000 to launch this ministry. That was big to us. We had never done or attempted something like that. And we, we were all in. It was stress. It was pressure. You know, we, we were just fasting on our knees before God, just believing God meet us, God show up, God do something big in this season. And one day, randomly, I'm driving down the road. Actually, I was with our mutual friend in Louisiana. Um, and I was driving down the road, and I got a call. And it was from this guy I had dinner with years prior. And he called me. He went, hey, I cannot get you off my mind. He's like, what in the world is going on with you? I just felt like I was supposed to call you. And I didn't really tell him what, where we were at and what we were doing, but I, I we caught up for a minute. He said, I just feel like I'm supposed to have you at our church. Would you mind coming and being with our church? I was like, absolutely. It'd be an honor. They have a great church in West Texas. And so I went out there a few weeks later. It was great. It was awesome. Well, Sunday night, we were doing a team night, much like last night. And at that night, first of all, he, he prophesied over me and spoke a word over me that completely confirmed and changed the trajectory of our lives but what I didn't realize was he has a heart and a vision and an anointing on his life to launch ministries. And he said, God's telling me I, like, I, I'm supposed to come, by, come beside you financially. And he, he and his church partnered with us and gave over half of what we needed to launch our ministry in that season. Just like this incredible answer to prayer. Even on the very last night he was at our launch, we launched our ministry ironically just, just down the road in, here in Houston. He was at our launch, and, you know, we were still coming up short on funds, and um, he caught me at the end of the night. He's like, are you good? I'm like, not quite. And he's like, how short? And I, I, I shared the amount. He's like, you'll have it by Friday. And I went to bed on our launch night. Bills paid. Launch happened. You know, mir miracle had, had happened. Asked him a while later. Um, I said, why did you do it? Why did you... Why'd you help us? Why'd you come beside him? You know what he told me? He said, there was a day you showed me kindness. He was like, you, you were kind to me. You were generous. I could tell you wanted to go take a nap and you didn't. <laughs> and you, you showed me kindness. I, I just want you to remember one small seed of a conversation was just a setup in the kingdom for something God wanted to use in a holy, integrous, honorable way. What if I had been more committed to a nap than kindness that day? Like, what if I wouldn't have, uh, have had eyes to see what could be small is actually significant because the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed? We're actually called to be faithful over that which is little. Before we're entrusted with what is much. Worship team can come, by the way. Help, uh, help play me off like the Oscars <laughs> or something here. Um, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I'll end with kind of one final story out of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the birthday of the church. I hope you realize today, by being here, you're not just a part of Vibrant Church. I'm thankful you're a part of this, this expression of the church. But you're not just a part of this church. You're part of the greatest movement our planet has ever seen.
You're a part of the most generous, sacrificial group of people that have ever walked the face of this earth. And that is Christ followers. Do, do, do you realize what our heritage is? Do you realize that the heroes of faith that went before us, the baton of faith that has been handed to us, like, do you realize what they did to get the gospel this far? Do you realize that some of them risked their lives to smuggle Bibles across borders so that we could have the word? That even having the Bible in English it represents tremendous sacrifice? Do, do you understand that there are people that refuse to denounce Christ and, you know, burned at the stake? Um, I don't mean to be dramatic, but that's the reality of our faith. Like, this isn't just a cute thing that we're doing here today. This isn't just a thing we signed up to do um, that felt easy or convenient. You're a part of the greatest miracle our world has ever seen, the birth of the church, the seed of the kingdom that now lives in almost every nation in the world. Bible translated into so many languages across the world. Like you're part of the greatest miracle the world has ever seen. Well, it all began in Acts chapter 2. It all began with a few believers. They were huddled in a room. And it's probably less people than are here today. A few believers just huddled in a room, afraid for their lives. They had broken laws. They had defied religious tradition. They were hated. Um, but they believed. And they had seen Jesus. And they had seen resurrected Jesus. But Jesus had told them to wait. Just hang in, hang in the upper room. Hang here. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do something, but you've got to wait. So they were huddled like a little seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a, like a mustard seed. And they were all sitting there huddled. And it says this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You guys, this is such an incredible moment in Scripture. You have to understand such a significant moment here. In this moment, the Holy Spirit fills the church. What we have is at that moment, Eden is completely reversed. Sin that separated from God, God now dwells with man again. Babel is reversed. Of course, people separated by language barriers, they're now able to talk to each other. They're now able to communicate across language. Like it's an incredibly redemptive moment in scripture with these few believers huddled together in this in this room their fear melts and turns into incredible boldness and incredible confidence and what is the first thing they do at this moment being filled with the holy spirit what's the first thing they do they run to the most crowded place in town to preach the gospel you see, what's happening here is it's the Feast of Pentecost. Why does that matter? Why is that significant? Well, the Feast of Pentecost was one of three times a year where Jews would come from all over the world and return to Jerusalem. It just so happened, our God is so strategic. It just so happened 
that Jews from every nation in the known world would have been gathered right in Jerusalem. And because it's on the day of worship, they actually all would have been on their way to church. They would have been on their way to the temple. They all would have been entering through the southern steps because that's how you entered the temple to worship, which, by the way, just so happened to have pools there to wash in. That's why you see people able to be baptized so easy. There was like, you know when we do baptisms and we set up those pools? Like, those were built into the ground there. It just so happened. The disciples run to the most crowded place in town. Peter stands up and declares the gospel. Peter, by the way, who had just recently denied Christ, now stands up and preaches the gospel. The church is born. 3,000 people are added to their number that day because the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. But here's what's even more significant. It's not like that early church was like a mega church. It's not like they were like a 3,000-person church all of a sudden. No, no, no. You see, what happened was people became believers, but many of them were from other places. In fact, after that day, hundreds, maybe thousands of them would return home. But now they were returning home with a whole new confession, a whole new mandate. They came to worship, but they went home filled and whole with a new revelation of Jesus like seeds scattered among every nation of the known world, the gospel instantly moved forward. What came from that little room of a few fearful, scared believers, the church was born, the church that we're sitting here a part of today because the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I pray today that you have eyes to see what's significant right in front of you. It may be small. Don't you dare overlook which you might be tempted to overlook because you don't like the package that's coming in. What if you were to commit today to be found faithful over every small moment and just trust God? God, if, there's, if you want to use this, use it. I'm going to be faithful over everything you've given me to do. I guess I came to say a couple things to you today. <laughs> small beginnings are the signature of the kingdom. This is how our God works. When God wanted to save the world, he could have sent a man. But instead he sent a baby. Because he starts small. It's, it's, it's actually the way the kingdom works. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Small things in the kingdom serve a significant purpose. You know that, that thing you do at church to volunteer and serve? You're greeting at the door, you know, in the preschool room every other week. Or you're like the third string guitarist, you know, or whatever. I just want to remind you what seems small to you is not insignificant in the kingdom. You are not just a greeter. <laughs> you are not just a preschool worker. You are not just a backup guitar player. You are not just the next class teacher. You are not just the projectionist. No, no, no. You are setting the stage for people to come and know Jesus, the one who holds the truth and the life and the answers that they desperately need. You're not just anything. I know it might seem small. By the way, can we get rid of this whole thinking in our minds that it's like just another Sunday? It's not just another Sunday today. I know some of us have done this like tens of thousands of times in our lives. 
This is not just another Sunday, not to the person that's coming in that needs Jesus, not to the person that's coming in lost, hurting, broken, confused, like, no, no, no. Our job is to see through the eyes of faith. Yes, it might just be another Sunday, but it's not just another Sunday. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. You never know who's even made their way here today, who just needed to know Jesus loves you. He is for you. He is truth for you. He is hope for you today. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Our job, just be found faithful. Like what's God put in your hands? You may be able to count, how does the saying go? You may be able to count the seeds in an apple, but you'll never be able to count the apples in a seed. You never know. You never know what God could do with your act of faithfulness and use it for his kingdom. Jesus, I pray today over a vibrant church. I thank you for this incredible house that you've raised up. Jesus, what began small, what began as a seed, I can already see growing. I can already see sprouting. I can already see new strength and new life. But Jesus, would you help us today? Would you give us eyes to see the significance in the small? Would you give us eyes of faith to see what our faithfulness could produce? Would you give us hearts, Father, that are, that are willing to be faithful over moments and not just want a nap? Jesus, would you, would you give us eyes to see how you might be working? We refuse to just need it now or need it instant. Jesus, we just want to be found faithful to you. So we pray today over this church. We pray your kingdom come. And Jesus, we pray your will be done. I pray, Father, that you would raise up vibrant church as light to the world. Jesus, as a city on a hill, as soul to the earth. Jesus, I pray that you would raise up this house as a testament to this region that you are alive and that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I pray, Father, you would establish this house and root this house and strengthen this house. Jesus, would you provide for this house? Would you resource this house? Would you raise up leaders in this house, Jesus? May this be a house potent for your kingdom, potent for your purpose, Lord Jesus. What began small, I thank you, is growing. We see the significance in it today. We pray your kingdom come. Your will be done, Jesus, at Vibrant Church as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.